welcome to the 13th episode of the Volley Talk podcast. My name is Tersha and I am your host for today. Our guest for today is no stranger to the beach volleyball world. She is one of the best players in the world, having won countless amounts of gold medals on world tour events including the recent Cancun Hub. She is the one and only Taliqua Clancy from Australia. I'm so grateful and honoured to have had the opportunity to interview and learn from her. She's super friendly and it was a really, really great conversation. Enjoy the podcast. My first question is, who is Taliqua Clancy in a tweet? In a tweet? Oh my gosh. Oh my (laughs) god. That is like throwing me under the bus. I don't know. Um... I think I'm I'm very strong and strong and loyal. I don't know if I can say that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's nice. I think that's a good description of you. <laughs> so how did you first start beach volleyball? Um, so it, very common in Australia is actually we usually start um, on the indoor court. So we start in high school was when I first got introduced to the sport of indoor. So my mum, she was 17 when she had me, so she was quite young. So my mum's baby sister is only five years older than me. So when I was uh, about to enter high school, my auntie was finishing high school and she told me, you have to play volleyball. And I was like, okay, like, as you do, you know, she's like my auntie, sibling and mum, like wrapped uh-huh. up in one. So <laughs> you want to always be them copy them. So I was like, of course, yeah. like I have to do and just yeah fell in love with the with the game so so quickly and just being talent identified over the years and Australia we have an amazing program it's changed names now but it was the Australian Institute of Sport at the time and I was very very fortunate enough to get talent identified and I started my journey onto the beach volleyball court when I was like 15 16 Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I hated it. I just got to say it. I tell hated everybody. it. <laughs> it was like, it gets so hot here in Queensland. It's hot and humid and I couldn't move. And it was just like, I can't jump. I couldn't like move, you know, it was so hard. The transition was just not smooth, but I quickly fell in love with it. And the rest is history, really. Mm, so at that time when you were playing beach volleyball, were you still playing indoor or it was just totally beach? Um, so I, so I grew up in Kingaroy, which is a small country town. So, mm-hmm. um, they had a, they have an academy called, um, QAS, so Queensland Academy of Sports. So when I was, yeah, like 15, we moved to Brisbane. So that's the biggest city, um, mm-hmm. Queensland. So there you, you had to do both. So you do indoor and beach as you're a junior. And I think that's so important. Like you should never pigeonhole yourself so early. I think I learned so much. Um, from the indoor onto the beach and then beach especially back when I transitioned back into the indoor okay. um, I, it was everything because you know being the tall athlete they just want to stick you in the middle and you know you don't yeah you know you don't feels the passing and things yeah. like that and like I was able to go from middle to opposite just like you know just totally changed my game which was yeah I would definitely encourage anybody who's young not to pick too soon mm-hmm. yeah so you said that you were tall. Were you always this tall since young? Yeah, I was always in the in the taller group of of even from like primary school to high mm-hmm. school. I was always one of the taller taller people of the bunch. So yeah, you are how tall uh, exactly? 
I'm six foot, so I'm 184 centimeters. People think that I'm a lot taller than what yeah. I am. I my my long arms and my my little wrists and ankles. <laughs> so yeah, you have really long limbs, which make, which makes you look which, yeah. makes you look really tall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. So, are you the only person in your family? I mean, other than your aunt, who plays volleyball? Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm an only. Yeah, only one. Really. Yeah. That's it. Uh, in Australia, we're just so into like rugby league and, and footy. Like footy is just life. All three codes, rugby union, Aussie rules and rugby league. So I just grew up in a very sporty, footy focused mm-hmm. family, really. Mm, that's nice. How many siblings do you have? I'm actually an only child. Oh. Yeah. So my, I do have three half sisters on my father's side, but I'm not connected to my father's side of the family so mm-hmm. I am that eldest of three little like younger sisters who aren't so little anymore but um yeah but a very close family our family is very large like classic aboriginal families <laughs> we have a lot so many aunts and uncles and so yeah it's it's pretty I love it like family is everything for me mm. so who or what inspires you the most along this journey um, I think it's my family. I've always, it's kind of crazy because from a very young age, I, I've always known that I wanted to be an athlete. I always mm-hmm. knew I was going to be an athlete. Oh, watching 2000 Olympics, I knew that I was going to be an Olympian. <laughs> like, wow. I've just always been so clear on on what I'm doing and and where I was going. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think my family just supported me so well through that journey. Like. Yeah, it's weird because obviously a lot of other people get inspired by a lot of different role models. And I and I do get inspired by other great athletes, but I really just try to make everything my own and unique mm-hmm. to myself. So I always try to learn, not try to be somebody else, I always just mm-hmm. want to be myself, but learn from the great strengths from other people around me. So yeah, it's that's yeah, I'm just haven't it's always just been like what I've known I want to do and yeah, I've always just been really driven to be a really successful athlete. Ah, okay. So, you know, Talika, what has been your toughest challenge along your journey and what did you learn from it? Um, oh gosh, there's so many and it's so, <laughs> I'm not really one to like, I'm always, always looking for the silver lining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so always yeah. for positive, that's for sure. But I definitely think this past year was definitely the hardest. Like it was really difficult. Um, just a lot happened personally and then COVID shutting things down, yeah. like it was a really, really difficult time. Um, yeah. And I had to really, you know, take the time to, to sit in my feelings and be mm-hmm. really present with them and also still trying to be taking steps forward and being um, that really great athlete you have to do to mm-hmm. be successful because, you know, it's, it's a total pause of you're just trying to be, you know, perfect. Like that's kind of, perfect without being perfect is what you're trying to always search for as an athlete and you just you know you had to really take a break and just be in the moment that was and that was really difficult (laughs) right I think because like as athletes you just always have the feeling like you you gotta do something you gotta do something right (laughs) yeah yeah it's so hard especially like so just you know we're we're born for competition and without that competition, it's really hard to, to, you know, find that motivation sometimes as well. 
Yeah, how was your guys training during the lockdown and pandemic? Yeah, so in the beginning, um, we're very lucky that we we're able to get provided with sports gear, and we did a lot of Zoom gym sessions from in, from our, from our, each other's homes, and um, it was okay in Adelaide when we were living when um, COVID first hit. Um, you're allowed to go out with one person and go for walks and and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we both individually would go with our coach down to the beach and do conditioning sessions and running and full touches. Um, So yeah, even though we're still separate, we still did a really great job of making sure that we were still getting, you know, that bit of fitness in Mm -hmm. and checking in too. I think that was like the most important part of that to stay physical as much as you can during lockdown because you just go crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We still found really smart ways and in Australia, we did such an amazing job of, kind of around it like you know just there was no cases really there's yeah, no COVID, yeah. so it's really incredible so um we'll soon back on the sand which was good but yeah it was difficult you know like no competitions so we'd have to train against the boys to try and get that competition oh. back in well and we're doing some exhibition match on Thursday night just you know put the pressure on ourselves and mm-hmm. try to recreate that feeling mm. of competition so it was difficult <laughs> Yeah, but it's over right now. It's completely back to normal. Yeah, we're completely, oh, yeah. Thank God. No masks or anything. <laughs> like, just honestly, you wouldn't. It's just non-existent. It's oh. so crazy from traveling to Mexico and coming back. It's just not a thing. So no mask required? No mask, no wow. anything. You can go out dancing. People <laughs> just <laughs> do anything. Like, there's no, yeah, there's just no worry of COVID. That's crazy because like here, it's like you don't wear a mask, you get fined like a thousand bucks. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It's even crazy here though, because if you have like three cases, like max, if somebody like got it and there was three cases, like everyone just shuts down. Like you go straight back into lockdown for 48 hours. Like we're so like hard on it. Yeah. Done, like. And then you travel the world and they have thousands of cases daily. <laughs> We're yeah. like, one case, like, okay, no, nah, go back inside. <laughs> but I mean, I guess the people follow the rules. That's why it, it's not existent, right? The cases. Yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely positive of being in Australia. <laughs> That's all the rules. Yeah, because it's really bugging when you can't go out. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Gosh. I just, because the rules are so tough here from Mexico, mm-hmm. when we come back and you enter from overseas, you have two weeks in quarantine. Mm-hmm. So you're stuck in a room. It's literally like, it's total prison. So we just got out Wednesday and honestly, it was tough. Like it's total prison. So I'm definitely. Oh, so how did you manage to, you know, train during that quarantine in the hotel? It was kind of going back to the same as, as covid lockdown hit so again the Australian Olympic Committee um, were able to provide us with some oh okay again so we're back on the zoom calls (laughs) (laughs) I see I see so Taliko do you have any pre-competition routine um I'm not really to be honest Mm -hmm. not that I can really like I'm very much like a talker. Like some people, you know, they need to go out and train and do extra stuff. Like for me, I just need to go out with the coach, like 
have a cup of tea and and just like have a talk and then I'm like fine like it's just yeah I don't have to do like a lot I think if anything I just always I always like I'm a stickler for my sarong so as soon as I like lose a game Uh I'll change my sarong into another one I'm like I can't (laughs) it's like totally my my thing and it works (laughs) it's worked every tournament so I'm like, nah, I can't use that. Lost the game. I got to use my other one. And then I'll just use that same sarong for every game until like we lose. <laughs> so how many sarongs do you have? <laughs> oh, I have a few, but I usually only have to go through two, which is good. <laughs> nice. Okay. So you don't have a pre-competition, but you have a post-competition routine. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's more like my, yeah, in, in-game routine. And I always have to wear a visor day or night. doesn't matter. Like I have to have a visor. Oh, Okay. So how do you, you know, like, okay, so I want to take, take us back to the, the finals in Cancun, right? You were facing Brazil and that was such an exciting match. And in the rubber set, the referee like blew wrongly twice, right? Twice. So what was going through your mind at that time? I think, oh, honestly... Even though I knew in, like, I knew and we all knew that those calls were out, I think you just had to accept it and move forward. Like, that's all that we could do. And and we knew that we weren't going to change their mind. So mm-hmm. we just, you know, didn't try to get too attached and just move forward. Oh. That was, and we just did such a good job of it. Like, we didn't even have to check in or, or go there. But we just, yeah, I think we also knew that we would, you know, we were in the, we were in the zone, you know, mm. so we didn't have to. To dwell on it and think like oh that's opportunity missed we're like okay well then we just go back and we'll start out again and then we'll just do it again so yeah we managed that so well it was yeah. just we were in the flow and 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 like i said there's nothing you can do you can't mm-hmm. change their mind especially now if you don't have the challenge system in with the videos you know now they're not going to get off their stand and change their mind so you just yeah we just had to stay in the moment and keep believing and I think that's exactly what we kept doing through the whole game because there's definitely a lot of opportunities for us to lose that match so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it was really an amazing turnaround I was like watching and I was like how but it was so good <laughs> honestly we were in shock too after the game too we we're like what happened <laughs> we had to go back and watch and I was like okay like that happened on this point and this point yeah Mm, so like during the game like for example if you're in a tough situation what do you tell yourself or do to calm yourself down um I'm very much I have a lot of keywords so I'm very specific like keywords really help me and then those keywords are also things that I do for action so say if I'm just not feeling physically um great and my body's just not firing that's when I really make sure that I'm going after my jump serve and and hitting it fast like that's a really great way for me to physically get you know if you've got those nerves or you're just feeling still a bit lethargic like Mm -hmm. that's a really that's one of my massive action signs that I do to get myself like back into the rhythm of the game Um, but yeah keywords are really resonate with me they're really important and so I just focus on those because it's not like you forget how to play volleyball, even if you're stressed and mm-hmm. emotional, you never forget the volleyball. Mm-hmm. You just got to bring yourself down. And my keywords, you know, they let me come back in and go, you know how to play volleyball? Like just trust 
what you know and I just go back to those things but I definitely try to make sure I keep it a lot of action space because you know you can't always be chasing a feeling you're not always going to feel great so mm -hmm. it's what actions are you going to do to to take those steps forward oh so what sort of keywords do you use um I'd say for passing um, it's definitely just like picking a hip, you know, and making sure that I'm not trying to midline everything. Like that's a keyword that I use for my passing, um, for my serving. If I'm jump serving, um, it's just like my quick last step. So I'll just say mm. fast, like that oh. helps me make, that's a good keyword for myself. Cause I know when I'm executing my jump serve at, at my best, that's, that's what I'm doing really well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of, okay. it's very simple. <laughs> Not simple, but simple. Yeah, not simple, but simple. Yeah. So just find what works for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. mm. Marie Faye is a total different, totally different than, than myself in terms oh. of what she has to do. Like we are two complete polar opposites of how we manage stress and competition, like total opposites. So how does she do it? Um... She definitely likes to get moving before tournaments and before games. So she'll go down and do a quick activation session with, with Kirk, our coach. And um, I think she takes that time to like process with herself. I'm definitely more external. She's more internal oh. through that. Where I'm like, Duh. Like, <laughs> <probably> <laughs> the court. like that's, you know, I have to be, I'm very, very external. She's a bit more internal going through those steps. Mm, I see. So Talika, how is your training routine like now leading up to the Olympics? Olympics. Uh, yeah, so we just got back from Cancun and because of the really strong restrictions in Australia, when you arrive back from overseas, you have to spend 14 days in complete lockdown, mini jail. So um, we decided that we would come back and train for the six weeks and not play the, the tournaments for the rest of the world tour. So in Sochi and Ostrava. So we're going to be here training for six weeks and then we'll go and play Stad in July, which is like the week, week and a half before the Olympic starts. So oh. we'll play Stad and then, yeah, from Switzerland, we'll go to Tokyo. I see. So like uh, your training routine now, it's like, how is it? How many times on the court? How many times uh, gym or how does it work? Um, so we usually just train the five days a week. So we get the weekends off, mm -hmm. which I will never complain about. Um, so yeah, so we'll probably be in the gym three times a week. I'm assuming it might taper off when we get closer to competition, but we'll definitely have more focus on, on the sand. Um, and so that means probably like sand session every day during the week. And a lot of them will be with, um, boys to create some, that competition, mm -hmm. tough competition, um, environment for ourselves so I guess we'll do a little bit of skills there's a few things that we want to work on still from um, Cancun so we'll do our best to to fit it in and improve in the, in these six weeks mm -hmm. so since you have the weekends off what do you usually do on the weekends I usually just uh, spend time with family so currently since we moved from Brisbane I'm still actually living with my family mm -hmm. um, which has been incredible so I have two beautiful little nieces who are yeah, I always see three, yeah three and two so yeah, yeah they're, they're running around they just woke up from their nap <laughs> so they might even just pop into the office um, yeah so I spend a lot of time with them they keep my mind off everything for sure I think mm -hmm. kids 
they just, you know, you have to be present in the moment and they're just so playful. So I love spending time with them and I try and see my friends as much as I can too. I'm definitely a very social person as well. So I love spending time with my friends. That, that sounds nice enough. <laughs> Something to keep your mind off volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> so Taliko, speaking about the Olympics, right? So I did a little bit of searching on the internet <laughs> and I saw that you're actually the first uh, or, uh, indigenous Australian volleyball player to represent Australia in the Olympics. So what does that mean to you? Uh, it's still kind of unbelievable, to be honest, because I still feel like I'm still so young in, in my career and it's such a, you know, it's such an amazing title to have. So I just hope I can be a great inspiration because um, I have mentioned like Aboriginal, Australian Aboriginal community, it's very much, you know, the sport and sporting life in Australia is just very much um, footy and rugby and netball. Mm -hmm. So I love that I'm able to show a different pathway for aspiring athletes or just Aboriginal kids in general because you know there is a big world out there and as much as we're connected to to community and to enter the land um you know there's a big world for us to tackle and I just want them to know that they can set their goals really high so that's I'm hoping that I can um inspire them in that way which I'm sure you definitely are <laughs> I hope so <laughs> how how big is the indigenous community in Australia oh I don't even think I could tell you that really. <laughs> um, yeah, thousands, even though we're still a small uh, percentage. Yeah, honestly, there's so many tribes in Australia, mm -hmm. all over Australia. And I'm I'm a Murray. So if you're oh. from Queensland, you're, you're a Murray. Um, if, say, if you're from South Australia, you're a Noongar, like, and then you mm -hmm. have individually your your tribes in, in with that. So my mob is Wooly Wooly. I have Grand Grang and Waka, so Waka Waka, so I have three tribes as well through through my family. So it's very it's very very large. Yeah, it sound the those names sound so familiar. Like I remember when I was in New Zealand, I heard those names. Yeah, and New Zealand have a really strong um, Maori culture as well, which is very very uh, similar to to Australia mm. for sure. Like our coach Kirk, he's Maori, and I don't know his tribe of. of by heart but um, yeah he has his own tribe and and all of that yeah oh so do you do you ha uh, speak that language at home no unfortunately in my um family and our story because the story of the stolen generation and just the massacre of um of our history mm -hmm. our language was completely lost um yeah, so nobody speaks language in in our family which is which is really sad um, but I think it also just, you know, it shows this another side of the story of, of what we went through in Australia. Mm -hmm. So as much as I'd love to, because in other parts of Australia, they can speak full language. Um, so I do get very envious, but oh. also like, you know, your elders and what the journey they went through. And mm -hmm. um, in my family, they chose to survive and they were, they would get in trouble if they spoke language as well or ever heard speaking oh. language. So, you know, it's just better for their survival. That's how they chose to survive. And, you know, that's, <laughs> I will never um, discourage of that journey that they went through. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, um, Taliko, what are some of the best memories or moments in your whole journey? Oh, there's so many. Um, <laughs> so, so many. Um, 
in my first Olympics when I played with Louise Borden at the time, now she's Louise Grice, uh, that was a really special moment and a really special partnership too. That was um, my first journey from becoming a junior to a senior volleyball. And um, we had a really great connection. We're still really great friends now. Um, and she taught me so much. So that was a really, really important um, partnership. And yeah, she took me to my first Olympic games and we made the quarterfinals and that was, yeah. that was really, really special. Um, still disappointing. I think that's what really sparked the fire for um, resetting my goals and going for Tokyo mm -hmm. and Marie and I, we've had, you know, so many incredible moments. Yeah. Um, collected a few medals too, which, um, and all those medals are just so special and really like so important. Um, but I think bronze at world champs in 2019, mm -hmm. that was a really special one, especially because Maria Faye got injured during the tournament, did mm -hmm. a meniscus. And honestly, I didn't even think they were going to be able to continue the tournament. Um, mm -hmm. But she was so strong and resilient and we we're still able to get a bronze medal knowing that we weren't even at our best, which I think is yeah. just that special and and to come back and to get a fourth place in the three star when she was finally the few months after world champs um when she was finally able to get back on out on the court we got a fourth and then we went to the last four star in Chetamala, mexico and were able to to win that tournament and that mm -hmm. was uh, yeah. really special as well uh, that's nice so I remember hearing you guys did the FIVB interview also last year, and I remember you guys talked about this also. Oh, her knee? Yeah, her knee in the her injury. That's how I knew about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did such a good job. Like honestly, it was she. It was so lucky that it was really cold. To be honest, as well, so we could hide her strapping. Like she had heavy oh. strapping underneath the leggings. And during like after games and that should be in a full knee brace as well. Like, so she did such a good job. Like, honestly, like I remember the day after she did it, we were walking down to breakfast and she was like full limping. Oh. <laughs> and then we got right out in front of breakfast and then all of a sudden she just like turned it on and then she just walked so straight. Like, I was like, okay. <laughs> Like without a limp. So she just like turned it on and nobody knew the whole time. She did wow. such a Yeah. Nobody knew. So I think it was a, definitely a blessing that it was cold and the leggings just hit the whole strapping. Mm. But if you actually look closely at photos, you can see like you can see the heavy duty strapping. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. So strong of her. <laughs> yeah. So you and Marafe, um, seem to have a really, really good relationship. So what are some tips that you can give, you know, other beach volleyball players to develop a good relationship with their partner? Um, uh, I think it's, it's hard to say as well, because I think our sport is so unique in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, sometimes you don't have to get along with your partner to have a great partnership, <laughs> but I definitely prefer to have the relationship I do have with Maria Faye especially being Australians, like Europeans can go home in between tournaments and, you know, so that's fine. But for mm. us, we have to be on the road for long yeah. periods of time. So it definitely helps to have a really great connection. Um, I think because we've known each other since we were like 15. Oh. 14 was the first time we ever saw each other. So we've known each other for a very long time. Okay. But 
we've always really aligned on our values and also the goals that we want. So I feel like that's always been a really great start of us in, in our partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I feel like that transferred into the volleyball as well with that chemistry that we have yeah. on the on the court, shall I say. Um, yeah. yeah, so yeah, it takes definitely a lot of trust. I think people um, struggle early in partnerships and when you're having your first really strong partnership ever on, on beach volleyball when you're really committed, um, people always seem to mistake that it needs to be done the way that you would like it to be done because that's, you know, so I feel like if you can really separate that, like you got to understand the unique person that you're standing beside is so important and you don't want to dismiss or change them. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't need to be the same, but your commitment to the goal needs to still, still align. So I feel like we're both completely two individuals, but we respect each other for that. And mm-hmm. we trust each other so much that what we're doing when we're not together and when we are together that, you know, we're giving our best, doing our best mm-hmm. and we're sacrificing everything that we do need to do to, to reach our goals. Wow, that's so beautiful. And yeah, I think you're right. Trust is what makes a very strong partnership. Yeah, for sure. Because it's definitely going to be ups and downs. It's mm-hmm. never all rosy, but, you know, I have no doubt and I know how great Maria Faye is as a person, as a volleyballer. So no matter what, we'll, we'll go through it. And I hope she knows uh, that I always have her back and I know she always has my back. Oh, <laughs> my heart. <laughs> so how long have you been partnering with Maria Faye? Um, since October 2017, 2017, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, at the end of 2017, um, about, yeah, we decided that we wanted to give a few tournaments a go. Um, mm-hmm. There was a uh, there was an Asian tour event actually in Osaka in Japan. That was the first event that we played. There was, mm-hmm. And then there was a three-star in China and then uh, another Asian tour event in Palembang in Indonesia. Mm. And yeah, we we're lucky enough to get three wins and we're like, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, from then, I think we already knew because we had played previously together um, in under 21s of juniors. Oh, it was okay. juniors. And we got a bronze medal um, there as well um, before I started playing with Lou in the... Mm last Olympic cycle so mm-hmm. okay. I think it just kind of reminded us the um, chemistry that we had mm-hmm. on the court and never and never went away so mm. it was awesome to get those three wins so who decides the partnership so you you guys decided yourself um no we actually have to get it well you kind of do and then sometimes you don't so our federation really clears the partnerships um but as a senior athlete, it does become more of a, a conversation oh, okay. and it usually is a conversation, but um, the final decision really comes down to the federation. Mm. So how um, big is beach volleyball in Australia now? Oh, it's still not that big. <laughs> really? With all the success that you are getting? No, no, no. We're still very much a tier three sport in Australia. Um to be honest, I don't really mind. Like I'd love more people to be playing beach volleyball and volleyball because everybody that you meet just absolutely loves our sport. So it's not the biggest, but 
yeah, I don't really know how to change that. I think that's just a part of the Aussie culture. We're just so, um, they love netball and they love um, footy, like footy is life. Yeah. So um, yeah, so it's not so much of the bigger sports, but it, I feel like the participation is definitely going up, but mm-hmm. it's always difficult because every year the sport funding goes down as well. And, and oh. funding for your sport is an extremely important part of, of any of our careers, really. It just keeps, keeps the sport alive. Mm-hmm. So do you guys get paid by the Federation or? Yeah, yeah, we do. So we have a living allowance that we get monthly um, okay. and we get to keep all our prize money. So really that's our prize money is really what um, is our biggest income. Mm. So and they can they help provide for um, some flights and accommodation as well, which is which is really good. We're very lucky compared to a lot of other sports as well in Australia oh. that aren't. So yeah, because I can't do it full time. So we're able to be full time athletes, which is mm-hmm. which is incredible. I've been a full time athlete since I'm I was sixteen, and I'm wow, and I'm turning twenty nine. <laughs> so <laughs> it's been yeah. So I've been very lucky. Yeah, yeah. What what a journey it has been. <laughs> so crazy. I still can't believe it. I still feel really young. <laughs> So Talika, what are the hopes for the future of your career? Um, definitely gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love, and I know that we definitely can achieve gold at the Olympics. Yeah. Um, I definitely really want to go. Yeah, I'm still, I'm not a world champion yet. I'd still love to be a world champion. Um, still Com Games, we got a silver medal, but and that was very early on in our partnership with Marufe and I, which mm-hmm. was another huge step for our development as a team as well. Oh. But yeah, because we only played together from October 2017. And then in March was Com Games. They're like oh. such a short period yeah. of time. Wow. <laughs> so like so proud. I think that was really important actually for us so early because that just, yeah, I think that, you know, it took those steps like really quick. I think it sped up the process mm-hmm. of us. Um so yeah, you know, Com Games. Now we're a part of Asian Games. Um, gosh, everything. I'd love to finish my career in or my Olympic journey in 2032 because they're going to have most likely the Games in Brisbane. And, you know, Queensland's my hometown. Yeah. And a home, you, can't, you can't beat a home game. Yeah. So I would really love to finish my Olympic career, yeah, in 2032. So I still... I still think I got it. So there's still a lot that I'd love to achieve and mm-hmm. hopefully win a lot of world tour medals on the way. Yeah, you definitely will. <laughs> so um, besides beach volleyball, what else do you like to do? I think just now you kind of mentioned it, <laughs> spending time with your family. Yeah, spending, I'm actually pretty boring. Other people have really <laughs> interesting lives and activities and hobbies where I just, yeah, I just love to social socialize with my friends and hang out with my family. Um, I love all the work that I get to do with the Aboriginal community. Um, mm. I work for some, I'm an ambassador for some amazing um, companies that support um, Aboriginal communities. So that's my that's my biggest passion away from beach volleyball. But yeah, I'm pretty simple. Like I can't sing. Definitely not artistic. <laughs> like. <laughs> So simple, and I love to travel. So I'm can't wait for COVID to be lifted because I absolutely love traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course that comes along with being a beach volleyball player. <laughs> yeah, 
For sure. You got to love it. If you don't love it, you're definitely in the wrong spot. Yeah, so much traveling. So, Kaliko, what do you think your strengths are, both as an athlete and as a person? Wow. Um, wow. Okay, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I think I said it before, I think loyalty is a massive trait of mine. And mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah really important that's who i am i think that's just the values of of family um i don't know i think i think i'm empathetic like i'm very mindful i think that's their important being very mindful is an important skill of of even being an athlete and a good person as well Mm -hmm. so especially in beach volleyball you know there's only two of you it is a partnership it is a relationship that you need to you know um Mm -hmm. You need to be mindful and you know we spend so much time on the road so um that's something that i think you know you always continue working on keep working on um yeah and i think um yeah that's about it i'm strong but i'm also very emotional at the same time so yeah so i think that's a blessing and it also can be a bad thing but <laughs> I think, you know, that's what makes you empathetic if you're able to, to understand other people's experiences. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's a really good trick to have. And you know what's funny? Because from the outside, like to an outsider, you seem like so cool and so fierce <laughs> and, you know, but then now that I'm speaking to you, it's like totally different. Yeah, <laughs> totally different yeah, people, yeah, definitely. I think people definitely have a preconceived idea <laughs> by <laughs> look from me. <laughs> Sometimes it's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, it's funny. People think I'm so like hard and like, it's like, I'm really not. <laughs> yeah. So Talika, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, I think it's the, the cliches. I think it's always to keep aiming high for sure. I think you know, as you get older, you can kind of start putting limits on what you can achieve. And I think it's so important to, to never stop growing and to keep pushing those boundaries. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm very fortunate enough that I am totally where I envisioned myself to be in, in my career and doing yeah. what I want to do in my life. So I'm, I'm so fortunate, but, you know, those little things when you're growing up, are still so important um, and to never doubt. I think continuous growth is something that I value a lot. Um, and I use that with every team that I enter into. Growth mm-hmm. is, is so important as a person, as a volleyballer. So uh, I definitely just live by that philosophy. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. So we have reached the end of uh, the last question, actually, which I asked all of my guests. And that is, Talika, if you could put a message on the moon for 7.2 billion people in the world to see, what would it be and why? Wow, Jesus. <laughs> oh my God, I want to know what other people said. I don't know what other people have said. <laughs> okay, just, just say what you want to say. Um, I don't know, I think just be yourself. <laughs> very simple yeah I think it's just so important I think it's you know you should always just be yourself and I think that means so much in every area of your life I think um you got to make your journey your own Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's what I try to do with my volleyball career. I never, yeah. um, I don't want, yeah, I want to inspire people, but their story doesn't have to be your story. And I, and I want them to, to achieve and, and do it the way they are, where they would love to do it. Never say can't, never let somebody tell you that you can't do something. Um, and just be true to yourself. I think that's the most Im- important part of, of your journey as a human as well. So, yeah. yeah. I think that is especially true now because with social media and all that, you just look at other people and you're just like, oh, I wish I could be like them. Like people look at you and be like, man, I wish I could be like Taliko. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, here okay. you are saying, yeah, just be yourself. No, yeah, for sure. Always just be yourself. I think we all get caught in that trap. Social media is so great for that. But then I'm like, nah, like I'm happy. <laughs> like I'm, I'm still going to do it my way. So let's not like fly. Like I'm still going to do it the way that is true to myself. All right. That's so nice. So thank you so much, Taliko, for your time. It was really such a fun interview with you. It's such a blessed and honor to be able to speak to you. And I wish you all the best for the just start tournament and the Olympics and everything else. (laughs) Thank you so much. No, thank you and all the best and sending all that love back. Hey there, I hope you enjoyed the podcast and learned a lot from Talikwa. Don't forget to support her journey leading up to Olympics by giving her a follow. And if this episode brought value to you, share it with your friends or tag me on Instagram at the Volley Talk Podcast. Thank you once again and see you in the next episode.